Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen. And I'm Yvette. And today we're chatting to Brendan and Matthew of Bottoming, the LGBTQ plus mental health podcast. We're going to be chatting about all things podcasting. So, hi, we are Bottoming Podcast, um, the LGBTQ mental health podcast. Um, I'm Matthew. And I'm Brendan. And we're Mentally Yours, um, and I'm Yvette. And I'm Ellen. It's nice to meet you both. So first up, guys, the name. Why? (laughs) So, yeah, so initially it kind of came out of, I'd written this six-part TV series, which I never did anything with. It was just to kind of get over, like, traumatic experiences and prod humour at them. Um, And when I was thinking of that name, which is of the same name, Bottoming, I just wanted something that was really tongue in cheek and obviously referred to um, the community in some way and also reference the mental health aspect. So I just thought of rock bottoming and then we obviously have bottoming in the gay community, which is <laughs> receiving the penis or whatever you have. <laughs> um, I think we've been friends for quite a few years at this point as well. And whenever we've talked about anything that's been even remotely difficult or traumatic there's always been an element of um humor or Mm -hmm. taking the piss out of it so it was just yeah we just ran with it because we're (laughs) just big fans of puns yeah and that really comes across in the podcast itself there's a really nice sort of laid-back vibe it sort of feels like a friendly Mm. chat and you've got humor in there which Mm. is lovely um what made you want to set it up in the first place well Initially, so me and Matthew have known each other for a few years and we've been each other's kind of, we've leaned on each other for a lot of different things and the mental health conversation just gradually came up due to life experiences that we'd had. Um, And we got to a point where I think I was out of work at that point. We were both, Matthew was going through therapy. I was on the waiting list for therapy and had just had um, like a really... uh, 
like a mental break basically um and so we're looking for ways of connecting to other people based on these experiences because at the time there wasn't really anything specifically mental health uh, specific for LGBT people despite um, there being higher cases of mental health issues within the community and so um, yeah we just decided to to set it up and initially the first few episodes were kind of based on um, topics and it was kind of like a bit of an investigation for us wasn't it mm. like to look into say education as a as a um, as a what's the what's the word um I guess like kind of it was free therapy yeah. in a way. It was like topics that we had had like negative experiences with. Um, and I think maybe not acknowledged for years and years at that point. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, the first season it was five, six episodes, but it was all just very heavy. I think at that point for us, because it was very personal and we were kind of digging quite deep. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it started. How do you look after yourselves when you're dealing with those kind of heavy topics? Obviously, we're a mental health podcast as well, so we've kind of yeah. got mm-hmm. our own, you know, routines and techniques. But we'd like to hear yours so we can steal them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we in the first season we we started the podcast <laughs> off every season, every episode, saying you know we're not by any means mm. professionals or experts. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of talking shit, hopefully to make ourselves and hopefully people listen and they can connect to it feel a bit better. Mm. We um, took, well, we said we were going to take a short break in season one, and that was um, early early 2019. Mm-hmm. So we kind of imagined a month or two just to kind of recuperate mm-hmm. and, and then come back to it. Um, that short break lasted over 18 months, and we didn't actually come back until <laughs> December 2020. Um, and I think in, in that time, away from working on the podcast, we'd both gone through different journeys and different processes whether that was kind of like counseling medication um relationship changes all all sorts of different things um and we just came at season two and now season three with a much um a much more open approach i think Mm -hmm. kind of acknowledging that obviously what we did in season one it was it was too mentally draining on ourselves um and that you kind of have to make sure that you're in a good place to be able to then do this sort of work. I'm sure you feel the same mm-hmm. with the kind of topics that you've covered in the past. Um, so we've just kind of made sure that say whether it's like setting time aside and making sure that it doesn't try not to overspill into other aspects of what you're doing because mm-hmm. we both do other things outside of the podcast. So there's been a couple of occasions where we've actually had to say, or we'd had a say an interview scheduled um, and we've had to cancel it and mm-hmm. rearrange it, reschedule it because of our, own mental health mm. and just not being in the right headspace to approach it and vice versa we've had guests that we've been speaking to where um something's happened happened in their lives and they're like you know still would like to do the episode but we encourage them to you know we'll rearrange it and let's come back to it when you're in a better headspace because we know how valuable that is mm. um so yeah i think that's the main thing and then also our relationship is also um a really key it's the core of the podcast really and I think that's also what kind of people are attracted to in a way is that we can kind of talk about the things in very frank mm-hmm. uh in a very frank way but there is that lightheartedness, so it doesn't feel like this heavy subject which is one of the things with mental health conversations as well which is can be make it quite tricky to approach 
when there is it uh, it is just serious conversations and it is just you know very um very dark and quite mm. deep and so if there's this kind of light element it does make it easier to kind of come towards and um and join in the conversation as well mm. so that's really important for us what would you two say you kind of do because obviously i know you you just asked about <laughs> getting tips from us. I, mm, I don't think we're we're the experts by any means, but you've you've done a lot more episodes than hundreds. We've done. How have how have you managed to like stay on top of of it and yourselves with that? So for me, um, and I'm sure Yvette will have even better answers. But for me, it's very much about what I do immediately after the podcast um, mm. and actually recording it. And recognizing it's probably not a smart idea to kind of organize like or book in work stuff or like mm. really super social stuff right after and just give myself the space to kind of recuperate and acknowledge like it is mentally, it can be genuinely exhausting and quite tiring mm. to just talk about that kind of stuff. But also sometimes just being a space for listening to that. Mm-hmm. just acknowledging that it is difficult and making sure that there's time and space afterwards. Um, that's my main thing. Yvette, what do you do? Yeah, I'm not always great at remembering to do, um, you know, decompressing or whatever what you want to call it. Um, <laughs> but I think things that sort of have helped me have been, you know, listening to music, um, listening to audiobooks, because <clears throat> when sort of we were recording this in person, um, I'd usually be sort of recording and then get on the train. And yeah, I realized fairly soon on that I needed to be either, you know, watching a very, you know, trashy TV type thing on my phone, um, like a relaxing thing or listening to an audio book or doing something really, yeah, to calm me down um, rather than any sort of like emails or even mm-hmm. <laughs> even watching anything on TV that was a bit too um, mm-hmm. dramatic or anything. But it can be hard, you know, because um, you do get, you can get quite involved in what people are talking about. And um, yeah, I mean, I really love doing meditation, which I, I always sound like a bit, I always feel a bit of an idiot saying that, but um, that can be really helpful. So sometimes I just mm-hmm. do like 10 minutes of that. I've done, I've done like 10 minutes of meditation on the train. It's quite helpful. That's something that quite a few people we've spoken to have said actually as well. And I think we've, I guess it depends as well what you view as meditation. Because I think a lot of people assume it's like the humbayar type approach, mm-hmm. but actually it can be, as you say, like watching watching a show every time immediately after recording or going to the playlist that you always listen to. I I kind of view that entire realm of it as some form of meditation, I think, as well. I do think also that what you guys said about um, when you started using it as therapy, I think that we've kind of done that as well in terms of kind of mm. practical tips also, especially in the pandemic. I don't know if Yvette feels the same, but one thing that kept coming up when we were recording the pandemic was people recommending, and these are experts and people with lived experience mm-hmm. in mental illness, just saying like, it's really important to have a routine, like you need to do that. Mm-hmm. And we were hearing it every single week and actually going like, wait, we don't have routines. <laughs> so like, <laughs> actually learning to do those things was very helpful. Yeah, definitely. The remembering the basics. So, you know, trying to remember to have a reasonably good diet and, you know, do a bit of exercise. And as Ellen says, yeah, the routine thing, that was kind of funny because it kept coming up 
And we kept sort of saying to each other, do you have a routine? No, do you have a routine? <laughs> but actually, um, I've got a little doggy now who I hope you don't hear in the background, but you probably will, to be honest, at some point. Um, and she's been fantastic for my routine because I've, you know, because of her, I've had to now create a routine. And that's the same every single day, including the weekends. So um, I think that's actually been very good for my mental health, um, you know, because I have to get up at the same time and I have to go outside and, you know, I have to eat at set times and, well, because I tend to sort of eat when the dog eats. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you, um, I was thinking about this because you've obviously been doing this since what, 2017 or something. And have you noticed a difference or do you feel different about the podcast now to when you started in terms of what it gives you? Oh, that's a good question. I think in some ways yes in some ways no that's a really rubbish answer because in a lot of ways it's still the fundamental like the same idea of just realizing you're not alone in the weirdest kind of worst thoughts and things that your brain does um that's kind of stayed the same mm. but one thing that I do think has been different is especially in the pandemic we talked a lot more to a lot of experts and got really kind of practical advice led stuff as well as the just talking about experiences so that's definitely been different mm -hmm. and I think I'm I really enjoy doing that because again I don't know if this is the same for you but I think I forgot how to do basic living and just normal yeah. stuff mm -hmm. um in lockdown so it was good just to have people literally telling us like you need to do this. You need to walk, go for a walk. Mm -hmm. You need to wake up at these certain times. You need to do these really basic, obvious things that seem obvious, but you forget when you're struggling. So that's been really helpful. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, when we started, um, we just felt, as Ellen said, that, you know, we just wanted to help people who had maybe first been, di been diagnosed, um, mm. just feel like they weren't alone and that there were other people um, living with long-term mental health conditions than, but, you know, they were sort of doing well in their life mm -hmm. still. Um, just, it's been interesting, though, because over the over the years, we've kind of managed to kind of progress from covering various um, conditions. So have people on chatting about um, different things um, from schizophrenia, sort of depression, um, <clears throat> and DID, all sorts of things. Um, but because we've been going on uh, for a while now, we've we've managed to sort of branch out a bit further. So... Some of the episodes I've really enjoyed doing recently have been chatting about um, what the mental health provision is like in prisons, for example, in women's prisons. We had one episode about that mm -hmm. and also in men's prisons. Um, so to look at sort of issues like that as well, um, I think is quite interesting because I think when we set mm -hmm. up the podcast, we weren't necessarily thinking about looking at that sort of stuff. It was more about sort of um, trying to speak to individual people who maybe were living with um, bipolar disorder or schizophrenia and we're just feeling a bit alone about that I have a question for you guys to turn it back around a bit <laughs> so I feel like we're talking a lot um, not to make you guys the spokespeople for all LGBTQ people because that's obviously very unfair but why is it that we need to talk about mental health for LGBTQ people specifically you said mentioned earlier that the rates of depression are much higher why is that? Why do you think that is? And why do you need to be, why do we need to be treating that as a specific thing with its own issues? So, yeah, I think we've 
as well as obviously saying we're not experts Mm -hmm. in the mental health space one thing we've made sure that we've done from when we started that it wasn't just me and Brendan talking about mental health and as you say like we are the spokespeople for all of the LGBTQ people and that's and that's that we've every episode had at least one guest um and tried to make the experiences and the topics as well like as diverse as possible like within the constraints that we've had so far mm-hmm. obviously there's always more to do but um we've wanted to make sure as like as as much as for an education for ourselves i think for listeners and just to help us understand ourselves and other people a little bit more too um in terms of the difference and the kind of higher rates for lgbtq people um there was a, a recent stonewall study um that said the half of lgbt um iq plus people had experienced depression and three and five experienced anxiety um another quite alarming stat which is very really topical at the moment because of um the treatment of trans people in the uk is almost half of thought about taking their life. Um, and I think the kind of the most simple way to put it is when you're brought up and grow up in a society where you are um, always a minority or a sideline or you're never viewed as the norm, that kind of builds into your brain and your psyche and all different levels of all different things that you do to a point where I don't think we understand mm-hmm. the impact it has on us and also what we give back as well. So it, I mean, this it, it's something obviously people can talk about this for like days and days and days. But when you've got levels of say discrimination, homophobia, whether that's at school, at home, internalized homophobia, um, alongside just like the social, the social matters of the day, like you know, I don't want to use the word culture war, but at the moment and the, the last few years especially, LGBTQ topics have been um, particularly fiery, and it feels like yeah, it is really relentless. And when you're brought up and growing up. Um, whether it's in the sections of um, sections, sorry, in the shadows of section twenty-eight, um, you know, debates that or I say debates in quotations about trans people and their existence, all of those sorts of things have a real big impact on mm-hmm. um, on your mental health. And I think at a much deeper level as well, I think than a lot of people tend to either realize or want to realize. Um, yeah, I've, I feel like I've gone around the houses there, but it's just, no, it's such a, that's such a big question. Yeah, it's a huge, <laughs> trust me, yeah. I know, I don't expect you to have like, oh, easy, that was the answer, yeah. it takes that off. It's such, it's such a complex thing. And I think what you said about kind of, you've got the lifelong, you know, essentially trauma of mm-hmm. being, you know, being born into a society that's still you know, you're not treated as the norm and acceptable. Mm-hmm. But then also mm-hmm. the very current, as you say, the debates constantly. Mm-hmm. It's just, I can't even imagine. It sounds so draining. I honestly, mm. living in the UK especially, I just like, yeah, oh, it's oh, it's awful. It's so bad. So outside of the podcast, I work for um, Tonic Housing. So we're, we've just yeah. launched the UK's first LGBT um, affirm and retirement community. And oh, something that I hadn't considered until I did, I didn't work in housing and I've never worked with older people. But one mm. thing that kind of hit me really hard since I've been doing this job is that there was, when we announced this earlier in the year, there was a lot of social media kind of um, support around it, which was incredible. But obviously you're always with anything like this, you're always going to get the trolls. And a yeah. lot of the comments and statements around it were kind of 
you know, why is segregation, why is the segregation, you know, there's already um, retirement communities, why do they need their own, again, in quotation marks, all of this sort of kind of ordering um, questions about it. And in, in that demographic, especially, say 55 plus is what we, um, the audience we target, but a lot of the people that engage with us are kind of in the 60s, 70s, 80s. They've grown up with governments that have um, actively criminalized their mm. their their life like their living um so some of the people that we've spoken to have still got criminal records after being arrested for being simply for being gay um so they kind of lose all sorts of trust in um any sort of um what, what i'm trying to say any sort of service that is supposed to be there to support and protect them whether that's the police mm. the health service um, you think about living through the HIV epidemic and the AIDS crisis. Um, you get people, older LGBT people especially, they get to a certain point when they know they maybe need end of life care or a different um, living situation. And there's many, many stories of, of people um, kind of considering whether or not it's even worth going down that route or whether they should um, take their own life. And that's, mm-hmm. that's not an uncommon story, especially for older LGBT people. So I think for younger lgbt people when that's kind of your (laughs) i guess when that's the kind of area that you have to look look up to and you see Mm -hmm. the difficulties that they faced as well as ongoing conversations obviously we've made enormous progress but as you said it it feels relentless at the moment in the uk Mm. and it kind of having like i guess elders in one way or another to look up to yeah. it is really important and when they've also faced you know such hardship for for decades and decades um it kind of yeah i guess in, in summary it just explains why mental health in lgbtq people is the way that it is yeah that's a really good point i didn't even consider it from that i think what you're saying about what elders have experienced i think obviously it's very insular when you're younger mm. and you just kind of forget about that yeah, 100%. which is awful but mm. but it's important to be reminded of that and i think you're right being able to kind of look forward and go like okay this is what life might be like when i'm mm-hmm. older all this and have that legacy it's really tough mm. and there's no like easy solution because my next question was going to be like, okay, so what do we need to do? But there's no, <laughs> there's no like one thing, is there? No, I mean, there's a lot of different things. I mean, things are going in the, in the right direction, which is fantastic. And I think uh, schemes like what Matthew's involved in um, is, is a part of this huge equation. Um, I mean, Fingers crossed. I mean, conversion therapy will be banned soon, which has been mm-hmm. delayed for two years. Um, but little things like that, and also representation, um, some little things like John Waite being on Should It Come Dancing in a Same Sex Couple, which is mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, but little things like that are, are nudges to the younger community to realize that there isn't uh, a shame or um, a villainization in being who you are and. Um, which is really important. And and again, it is so simple. They are really, really simple things, small things that can have such a big impact. Just like mm-hmm. um, in education now, I think it was 2020 in September, they um, upheaved, I'm not sure what that, if that's the right word, they uh, changed upheaved, yeah, yeah. upheaved <laughs> the um, uh, sex education. So it's now relationships and sex education to include mm-hmm. um, same-sex couples and um 
And so little things like that, I think, are definitely moving us in the right direction. Mm. And it's important to kind of celebrate those small mm-hmm. things because they seem small, but they are huge, mm-hmm. especially for the older people that you're mentioning who have been criminalized for being queer. Mm-hmm. To then see like, oh, there's someone on Strictly mm-hmm. who's opened the game. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah. Or Bake Off. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, it's a, that's a really interesting episode um, because he was talking about how running helps his mental health and helps his anxiety, um, which can be a bit of a kind of controversial one um, just because, you know, if a, if a doctor tells you to go for a run, that can be, you know, well, piss you off a little bit. I, I think we've had all had that experience at one point or another with a GP that sort of said, absolutely. <laughs> Um, but it was really interesting to hear, you know, the positive effect that exercise had had on his mental health and his anxiety. And um, yeah, I thought mm. it was really inspiring, actually. Yeah, he's just um, completed the marathon this weekend as well, which is incredible. So that's four years after his doctor had that conversation with him. And um, yeah, it just it did almost make me want to start running. <laughs> but still, I'm just like, <laughs> ah, I just I'm not in a good place with running at the minute. We're not mates. So I think that the main, maybe the the main kind of lesson in that is just it's about finding what works for you yes. rather than you know directing people to go and, and run necessarily. It's more about finding something that you know kind of gives you what you need from it, and it doesn't necessarily. That's not to say it's going to be easy mm-hmm. at the start or even during it. But if if you find something that clicks, um, obviously that that's the important bit, isn't it? It's life saving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was one of your excellent guests, which leads me on to <laughs> seamlessly onto my next question. Um, tell us more about some of your favourite guests. Ooh, so I have a favourite episode, I think, which is a tough episode to listen back to, and I haven't done it since it came out. I think it was maybe episode eight or something of season two, but it's called the Therapist Share, and we basically tried to. Uh, look at the different routes to therapy um, in the UK. So we've spoken to um, an assistant psychologist from the NHS, uh, someone who works at Mind Out Charity in Brighton, and a private um, assistant, no, not assistant psychologist, a private psychotherapist. And um, we also shared our personal experiences of therapy and why we needed to get therapy in the first place. And I think for me, I love that so much, because of the practical element to it where someone could come to the episode and uh, take a couple of tools from it, which they might not necessarily get from every episode that we do um, because sometimes it's just story-based or whatever. But with this particular episode, there was like, okay, this is kind of broadly what it's like in the NHS charity and private. So um, I think I'm most proud of of, of that episode. How Mm. about you? I'm going to cheat a little bit. And probably say it's like multiple episodes. Oh. So I'm, I I really loved being able to because we were running kind of from December. We only stopped episode uh, sorry season two, um in August, but it meant that we were able to cover LGBT History Month and Pride Month in June as well. Um, usually we run every other um week with releases, but for those two months we release weekly episodes. Um, and the History Month series back in February. That was quite, I think that was a turning point for maybe the, the podcast and what we wanted to do with it, mm-hmm. because it did go from, you know, topic based to more, um, I guess like a little bit of a, a deeper 
analysis of stuff maybe mm-hmm. um and i think also that that was kind of maybe when our interview skills shifted a little bit like we're not that's not our background we just picked up some mics a couple of years ago <laughs> um but as well in, in pride month given a lot of the conversation around either prides not being able to happen during the pandemic and then also um kind of like the the stories about pride in london and the the controversies kind of backstage with racism and transphobia and homophobia and all those different things um we wanted to showcase small prides so at the end of every episode um for pride month we spoke to a like a specific pride that was going on um so we spoke to trans pride we spoke to uh, Middlesex Pride, um, UK Black Pride, UK Black Pride, and that was just and really Traveler nice. Pride and well. Traveller Pride. So it was just really nice to kind of, from I guess from this room that we're recording in right now, speak to and experience so so many things that made me feel. Um, I don't know what the what the right word this is somewhat, but being able to do those two things kind of made me feel just incredibly grateful mm. to like be who I am and be like a part of such an amazing amazing community of people and what are you looking forward to covering next and do you have any dream guests oh that's a good you can question. manifest it here <laughs> <laughs> i well season three kind of we're, we're moving into more profile based mm-hmm. um kind of guess how, how, how you started because we've obviously realized um there's so much to condense uh if you're looking at say one topic mm-hmm. uh, as say like uh, anxiety or whatever or just education or religion and to pick that one thing from someone's life and say can we talk about this when there's so much so many other things that have happened to them in their lives that have also affected their mental health so we're moving towards more profile based um interviews for season three um michael was an incredible one we're really excited about that um do you want to say your favorite your dream guest um, my dream guest and i'm i think i'm turning into a bit of a stalker this point. <laughs> i want to get i, I want to get moon out on oh yes um i am obsessed with them yeah. and have been since their first ep so i am like yeah probably getting a little bit too much on like the want to get them i probably just need to relax and like as you say manifest and hopefully mm. it'll happen let them come um, to you yeah <laughs> but i think also i so my just really really quickly my uh, experience with therapy was through um, the charity Survivors UK, who I know that uh, was mentioned on one of your previous episodes by a guest. Um, I, I would really like to speak to them. I spent two years going through counselling with them a couple of years ago. Um, and those two courses of therapy like changed my life, um, especially because of, of the work that they do and, and the, the things they cover. So that's a topic I think up until this point, I've definitely shied away from covering because i think it's i know it's going to be a heavy one mm-hmm. but i haven't felt ready to do it whereas i think i've just started counseling again um last week actually but with a different organization um and i think yeah i think i'd really like to speak to to survivors uk but also i mean there's, there's so many other organizations that we we've kind of loosely engaged with so far mm-hmm. that we want to speak to and showcase because yeah as i say there's just so many amazing people that are like working in underfunded yeah. volunteer um really difficult things that i don't think people are aware of so yeah them and also that, mona easy 
<laughs> them and also money. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> it's a nice mix. Yeah. I would yeah. very <laughs> love to listen to all of those. <laughs> I think it's a nice breadth of things. Just before we wrap up, though, um, where can listeners hear Bottoming and follow you on social media? Let's not forget. Mm-hmm. So we are on um, Instagram, Twitter, recently TikTok, <laughs> um, at, at Bottoming Pod. So it's easier to say on all of them. Um, but you can just go to bottomingpodcast.com um, and we've got all of our, we've got our archive of episodes. We put up links and resources after every episode on there as well. Um, and then yet yeah, links to all of our socials. We want to start a Twitch channel possibly because mm-hmm. we're both, um, both gaming at the minute, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's all Brendan. Brendan's the creative <laughs> Genius behind the law. Oh, thanks, Ellen. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 